the people of sake actually brought me into sake. Back in 1988, this place was actually in Ginza on the main drag. At first it was kind of soy sauce, it was miso. To the point where it actually changed my life. New Year's Day 1989. Uh, not just sake as a beverage, but all the culture and history. And... So welcome to this new episode of Sake on Air. Uh, the English language podcast, where we aim at expanding the dialogue around Japan's iconic alcoholic beverages, Nihonshu, or, or sake, Shochu and Awamori. We usually record in Tokyo from the Japan Sake and Shochu Information Center, which is most definitely worth a visit. And this show was only made possible with the support of the Japan Shochu and Sake Makers Association. I'm Sébastien Lewan, one of your regular hosts, and today it's a great pleasure for me to welcome a special guest who was recently awarded the title of Sake Samurai as a reward for everything he's done and everything that he plans to do uh, for Sake and the category in his home country. So today I'm welcoming Kenji Fabio Ota. I'm really happy to meet you, Fabio, or should I say Kenji? I mean, what's, what, what name do you prefer to use? Oh, Fabio is fine. <laughs> Fabio, is, Fabio fine. is fine. Yes. Would you kindly introduce yourself uh, a, li a little bit? Yeah, sure. Sure. Thank you very much, Sebastian. Uh, actually, it's a dream come true to participate in Sakeno On Air because I listen probably twice or three times every single episode. <laughs> uh, wow. Yes, yes. Uh, so do you have, it was do you have a favorite one, by the way. Sorry, it's a hard question. But... Oh yeah, at the beginning was that uh, with Zaku, with Shimizu-san, that Imada-san translated. Mm -hmm. So that one I listened uh, at least three times because I import Zaku as well. So I was trying to understand more about the brand, and that one I was my favorite for a, a long time. Interesting. Yeah, indeed, it, it was a, it was a great episode. I mean. It, we, we'd like to, we'd love to receive uh, more Kuramoto and Toji on, on the show, but language has been a bit of a barrier. But I mean, there is soon interviews coming. So there will be other Kuramoto on the show in the near future. So, I mean, tell us a bit about, about yourself. Yes, good. Uh, yeah, I'm a sake importer in Brazil, based in Sao Paulo, which is the largest city in the country. Most of the markets located in Sao Paulo city and Sao Paulo state. Brazil is a very huge country, but uh, in terms of sake, it's still not so big. I'm a sake educator as well. I've attended uh, maybe 13 different sake sommelier courses in the world and want to try some others that are more difficult. So I'm trying to prepare myself. For example, there is a, the JSA Sake Diploma that I, I bought all the three editions of the book but I didn't have the, the, the chance to, to do the test. It's once a year, I guess, uh, for the English version. So that's the one I'm going to try to get next year. You're, uh, you're probably the person who has gone to the largest number of education programs I've, I've ever met. I mean, what's, the, uh, what's driving you, to, <laughs> what's driving you to, to go to all these... Um, these shows and and we should we should actually do a special episode about sake education because you you'll be a very yeah. useful resource to help us to compare them and um... yeah you know what I realized that since the beginning when I started to attend some of those courses I realized that those what they uh, teach are slightly different from course to course so I decided to get as many I, as I could. So I traveled to England to get some certificates. I traveled to uh, United States, to Japan. It's because I'm the kind of guy that wants to learn more and more and more uh, about what I'm passionate. So I still need to learn a lot of things about sake, especially if you go to different sakaguras you realize that what's written in the books is is a little dif bit different, right? In, in practice. <laughs> yeah, everywhere <laughs> you go to, there is something yeah, special about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. They have their secrets, right? And they, those secrets are not uh, written in, in the books. So that's why I usually go several times a year to Japan 
Uh, this year, uh, 2023, I went four times to Japan. And in 10 days, I'm going again. But this, this time will be vacation with my wife. Okay. A deserved vacation, especially for her, that she's working so hard, much more than me. So this time will be <laughs> vacation for both of us, but much more for her. There is something in your personal history that resonates a bit with me. Is I understand that you've had two lives or two professional lives up to now. Can you tell us about that? And, and of course, the next question for me is, why did you change? And is there... Was there a, a special moment or a special event that triggered the change? Yeah, sure. Yes, uh, I am graduated in law and accounting. So I'm a lawyer and accountant in Brazil. I have a, a bar certification. So uh, I worked for more than 20 years. And my last job was as a partner of a multinational company specialized in uh, my area was MA, mergers and acquisitions. Mm -hmm. So it's a very uh, ethic and very uh, hard work because you deal with uh, millions or billions of dollars of uh, acquisitions and you need to be very sure about the numbers and so on. I really liked that job. But in the last five years, I was like, there was missing some purpose i would say mm -hmm. because i had that uh, a good position because partner is a, a kind of a top position in a consulting company so you have a big group working with you but it was very stressful life and uh, at some point i was uh, even above my my normal weight and all those uh, index of healthy index were like not so good. And one day I was driving and I started to uh, feel a little sick. And then I went to the hospital by myself. I was with my wife, but uh, we went to the hospital. And there they realized there was with blood pressure of 20 per 13. Oh. I don't know if it's the same index in, in Japan, but 20 versus 13 is very high. Very high. You yeah. are almost, my normal blood pressure is like 12 per 8. I was with 20 per 13. At that point, the doctor told me, oh, if you don't take care of your life or if you keep being stressed that way, at some point you're going to die. <laughs> and I I started to think, oh, no, 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 I, I cannot die right now. <laughs> there are so many things I would like to do and, and pursue. So I started to think about an alternative for my career. And if you see all my certificates, I started the first ones while I was working for the multinational company. Every time I had a chance or a vacation, I would travel abroad and get a certification. Yeah. So at yeah at that point I started to to study right, and then I realized that previously I was a wine drinker and wine collector. I was traveling to Europe, to Italy or France to buy wine and to visit the wineries, and then I realized that that could be done, but in Japan. And Japan is the country I most love in life. I, I mean, every time I think about traveling, I travel to Japan. I, I started to think, well, maybe I can have something like wine and I can have it in Japan because maybe there are some like wineries uh, there. I, I didn't even uh, know or were not familiar with the term like sakagura or uh, the beauty of sake yet. I just knew that the sakes I drank in Brazil were different from the sakes I was drinking in Japan mm. because uh, most of the importers don't use uh, refrigerated containers here. So, and it's the very opposite of the word, right? It takes mm. like 45 days or maybe more to the vessel to get to from Japan to Brazil. So it's uh, it's very far, and if you don't use refrigerated containers, it's it's a big issue for for the quality of sake. Since I was studying sake, and I realized that the 
the same brand of sake was different in Japan and Brazil, I started to, to believe I could import myself using refrigerated containers. And then I visited uh, a few sakaguras in Japan, and some of them were just exporting to people using uh, refrigerated containers. So then I realized that I should use refrigerated containers. I should be uh, very well educated about sake because that way I would be different from the other importers. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I realized is that in Brazil, uh, many importers would not have a given sake for a while. For example, they, they were sold out for six months and I have so many friends, owners of restaurants, and they were always complaining about some sakes that sold out and they they cannot get anymore or they need to wait for six months to get again those sakes. And then I realized that uh, we could do better in terms of logistics and also in quality of service to, to the customers, to the restaurants, right? Mm. And uh, going back to my health issue. So I had to, that uh, health issue. So I realized that I should change my career. And then right before COVID, I left the multinational company, which was uh, very risky, but I didn't know that the COVID would come, right? And then I spent like almost one year and a half just planning. Uh, for for the starts of the the imports, the good thing is that before COVID, I went to Japan and I met my exporter, and then we agreed uh, about they being our uh, uh, exclusive exporters. So right after COVID, we started the operations in Brazil. And since the beginning, many many restaurant owners came to our showroom. And we have those wine dispenser machines that we use for sake. And they could uh, taste all the sakes. They love the sakes. They love the quality of sakes because of the refrigeration. And uh, at the beginning, we, we entered into maybe 80, 90 restaurants in the first two, three months. Now we have more than 300 clients, uh, more than 300 restaurants as clients. And our sales are doing very well. 85% uh, of the sales are to restaurants and 15% is for final customer. Okay. There are many things I want to talk about, but I have one more question about what you just said here, which is 300 restaurants. I mean, are they all Japanese food restaurants? What kind of restaurants are they? Yeah, most of them are Japanese restaurants. Uh, we started uh, to sell, especially for the premium restaurants in Sao Paulo and Rio. Uh, but now we are advancing to other uh, more like uh, taberode or the mm -hmm. all you can eat, right? Uh, sushi. But at, at first we started with the good ones, especially because of the quality. But uh, I would say maybe... 10% of our clients are not Japanese restaurants. Uh, we sell to all, almost all Michelin, resta Michelin star restaurants in Sao Paulo and Rio. Okay. And they are not Japanese. Yeah. Mm. I, I want to get back to that, to that question um, later on, talking about the, the future and the development of, of sake in Brazil, just outside the very Japanese sphere. I mean, in your yes. own name, Fabio, you have Japanese words or Japanese names. And, and there is a very special relationship between uh, Brazil and Japan in the 20th century. For our listeners and for myself, would you be able to kind of summarize the, the history of that relationship in the, 20th, in the 20th century? Explain why you have Japanese names, where your family is coming from, and tell us as well what, what it means uh, for Brazilian culture or, or, or how Japanese people have brought uh, their culture into in, in Brazil? Sure. Yeah, from the beginning of the 19th century, there was a huge immigration from Japan to Brazil. Currently, uh, in Brazil, we have like 2 million Nikkei people, so people with Japanese backgrounds, so 2 million. It's the largest community outside Japan. 
Yes, and um, I'm third generation, uh, Nikkei, uh, Nikkei Sansei. So you, can, and, you say uh, Sansei, I think Nikkei means Japanese, uh, uh, Japanese descendants uh, in yes. general, and then you have Issei, Nisei, Sansei, is that right? Sansei. First generation, second generation, third generation. Yes, as I'm aware, they are currently in the sixth generation, I guess. Okay. Because the immigration started more than 100 years ago. So okay. uh, now we are in sixth or seventh generation. It's a, a big impact in, in the local culture, especially in Sao Paulo, uh, where most of those two million uh, people are, are located. When I say Sao Paulo, it's Sao Paulo state. Mm -hmm. But uh, in Sao Paulo city, there are many, many Nikkei people living here. So probably most of the Nikkei community in Brazil uh, lives in Sao Paulo City. Usually we have like a, a local Brazilian name, but in my case, it's like Fabio's Italian name mm -hmm. because Brazilians use a lot of Italian names. For example, my, my brother is Eduardo, I'm Fabio. So we have those uh, Brazilian or Italian names. And then we have the, some of us have like Japanese name. My name in Japanese is Kenji. And of course, last name is Ota, uh, my family name. Where, where is your family from originally? In Japan, from a lot of different places. Uh, Hokkaido, Iwate, Yamagata, and Totori. Yeah. <laughs> All those my two Jichans and two Bachans were from different places. All right. And, but, they, and they met in Brazil? Uh, yes, yes. They met in Brazil. Yes. Okay. My grandmother passed away two months ago. She was the last one uh, alive. Uh, she, uh, she, she came from Hokkaido. Yeah. And, and I'm curious, of course, I, I'd like to ask you, did your grandparents at some point give you give you an opportunity to to taste sake or shochu or not awamori because they were from the north of japan but was it was it was it part of the the meals that we're having was it part of your uh, upbringing or not at all yeah no and yes uh, no because it wasn't a nihonshu at that time uh, but uh, my first trip to Japan was with 13 years old with my grandfather from my mother's side. And uh, he was a journalist in Brazil for a Japanese newspaper. And he really liked to drink, drink okay. beer and whiskey. Not, uh, I don't remember him drinking Nihonshu, but all this culture of drinking and going to Izakaya uh, was part of my 13 years old trip to Japan. <laughs> it's at that time, because if you see a 13 years old uh, kid in a Yazakaya today, it's a little bit strange, right? Mm. Especially depends on, on the country. But at that point, all people were like smoking and drinking. And I was with 13 years old in the middle of a lot of adults drinking and smoking. And uh, it was normal at that time. And I, I realized uh, that you need to be very patient to be a kid and stay for like three hours in the izakaya because all the guys were like talking and having fun in Japanese and I wouldn't understand most of it. So it was like they're drinking my orange juice and eating some food, but I was there very patient and understanding the, the mood of izakaya since... 13 years old. <laughs> but did the Japanese Im immigrants into, um, into Brazil uh, bring sake and shochu as a culture? I guess they did to, to some extent. Can, can you tell me a little bit about the, the influence? I understand that there is actually domestic sake production in Brazil. Uh, I mean, yes. is, is that, well, it's not, it cannot be called Nihonshu for, for obvious reasons, but I mean, what do you think about this drink? Is it is it does it compare with with what we know as sake here? Um, what taste is it? Um, how different is it? Yeah, the the most important brand is Azuma. Azuma is almost 
hundred years old. Okay, so it was yeah, it was, it was started by Japanese uh, yes. people yes. moving into into Brazil. Okay, and at that point there was no uh, imported sake in Brazil, so the only way to get uh, kind of nihonshu was producing in Brazil with local rice and local water. And uh, it's the most famous uh, local brand. It sells very well, especially for cocktails. And, and that, that's a very important part because in Brazil, there's a cocktail called caipirinha. Mm -hmm. Caipirinha can be made with three different alcoholic beverages. The most famous one is with cachaça. Cachaça. The second one is with vodka. And the third one is with sake. Okay. Both cachaça and vodka are distilled spirits, while sake is, of course, fermented. But because most of the Brazilians uh, knew sake for the first time in a caipirinha, in a cocktail, they tend to think that sake is like cachaça or vodka. Hmm. And they always, uh, if they don't know much about sake, they tend to think sake is very strong in terms of alcohol and in terms of taste as well. They don't realize sake can be drink by itself. They don't realize that sake can be drunk in, in a wine glass. And this is a little bit challenging to explain for a first timer, like sake drinker, because no, they, they already drink sake, drink sake in a caipirinha. So, but does it mean that because the main destination of sake was caipirina, um, I think you say sakirina, is that right? Or something like this? Yeah, there are many different uh, names depending on the region of the country. There is, they call sakerinha, they call caipisake, Okay. Or caipirinha de sake. A caipirinha de sake. And, okay. Yeah. So yeah. because the main destination of uh, Azuma's sake was for caipirinha, uh, does it mean that it had or it tends to have a, a much higher alcohol content than than the Nihonshu that you import, for example, or is it still in the fifteen percent uh, range? Yeah, it's still the the fifteen percent range. But uh, in the people's mind, they tend to think it's a strong alcohol because they compare with the other types of caipirinha. Understood. And the problem also is, is that people drinking caipirinha de sake or sake pirinha or sakerinha, they don't know the real taste of sake because the other ingredients of this cocktail is sugar and fruit. That fruit can be like kiwi or can be lemon. So the basic caipirinha is a lot of lemon, a lot of sugar, and sake or vodka or, or cachaça. So sake, they, they don't know actually the, the flavors of sake, right? Because it, they, they, they feel the, the lemon, they feel the sugar, but they don't feel the, the real taste of sake. That's interesting because you are fighting against something that, I mean, French importers don't really have to deal with. I mean, there is a lot of competition for sake in France uh, coming from, from wine, but at least yes. um, we we are not, I mean, cocktail is not something that uh, sake is known for. So it's it's pretty, it's pretty new. You probably had to develop um, special uh, arguments or experiences to, to drag people into uh, just drinking straight sake as opposed to, to uh, yes. sake cocktails. I still believe in cocktails with sake because they, if they are, they are made uh, well, I mean, they, they think about uh, preparing a cocktail with uh, well-balanced ingredients and sake, it can be really good. For example, next, next week, we're going to have Sake Festival 2023 in Brazil. Uh, Mega Sake is organizing all this, those events, and one of the masterclass will be with a head bartender of a very famous bar in, in Brazil, and he prepared five cocktails with our sakes, and they are beautiful. One of them is like um, uh, hot sake, with hot sake, it's a hot cocktail, it's amazing, it's amazing. So uh, it's not that... Caipirinha, I don't like 
Personally, caipirinha, because it's too strong in terms of sugar and fruit that you don't feel the, the flavors of sake. But if the cocktail is well prepared, the cocktail with sake can be amazing. Yeah. So I don't fight against cocktail of sake. I, I fight for people knowing more about sake being in a cocktail or being drink, drunk in a wine glass. I, I understand that in, in the Brazilian market, there are three main sources for, for sake. One is uh, this domestic production, Azuma, but I think you have another another brand. I heard about uh, Sakeria Tikara as well. Is that, I don't know if it's... Tikara, yes. Tikara yeah. is the second largest. Second yeah. largest one. Then you probably have imports from the US as well. I mean, because you're in the same time zone, I imagine that you receive sake from um, North American producers. I mean, I'm thinking of Japanese brands producing in the US uh, or possibly yeah. uh, Japanese sake going through the US. I'm not sure. And then, of course, there is uh, sake imported into Brazil directly I mean, what are you do you know what the respect kind of respective market shares are and what the trends are yeah it's very difficult to tell you for sure because for example they they don't release the sales of uh, azuma sake okay but probably in terms of overall markets they may have like two-thirds or 65, 66% of the entire sake market in Brazil. Okay, and so it's, the quite, other it's quite big, it's quite dominant. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's quite big, it's quite big. And um, probably I would say the Brazilian-made sake has two-thirds of the market. From those two-thirds, Azuma is the most representative brand. Uh, the other one-third would be imported sake. Uh, I don't think uh, sake is imported from uh, America uh, have a good market share right now. Okay. Maybe for a while in the past, we had some brands, but nowadays not so many. So I would say one third of the market corresponds to imported sake from Japan and two thirds made in Brazil. Inside the, the market share of imported Japanese sake, uh, we have uh, two big brands uh, that entered Brazil 20, 15 years ago, which is Hakutsuro and Hakushika. They represent probably half of, of all the imported sake market. Pretty strong. Uh, yes. I mean, they, they are pillars of sake, of sake history as well, of course. And so sure, sure, yes. uh, participated to the education of, um, of the market. Um, I mean, beside caipirina, I mean, what do Brazilian people drink? Uh, what does the alcohol beverage market look like in, uh, in Brazil? Uh, lots of beer. Lots of beer. Yeah, beer, cachaça. But um, yeah, main is beer. Uh, wine market's big as well. We've imported the wines and also a lo a local production. And yeah, I would say Brazil is a beer country. Beer country, okay. Yeah, and yeah. and since you 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 were touching upon the topic of uh, when we we're talking about cachaça, uh, I mean your specialty is is sake, as far as I understand. But can you for 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 our listeners that are involved in in, in shochu or are interested in shochu in a woman, mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about your perception? about um, shochu and awamori I mean, in Brazil? I mean, again, I mean, these products are, are great straight or, or nice or with water, but they're great in cocktails as well. So maybe is there is there hope there? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah I believe there, there's hope, of course, and especially in cocktails. Uh, but the problem uh, right now is that in Brazil, it's impossible to import uh, imo, imo shochu. Okay. Uh, yes, there, there is. I'm not uh, so sure because I don't import myself any shochu. I will start uh, in a while, but I'm going to study uh, the rules. But as I know, there is a type of alcohol in the imo shochu that is not allowed by the Brazilian authorities. 
So the most important shochu in Japan cannot be imported to Brazil, right? And by the way, imo shochu, I love imo shochu. When I go to Japan, I, I drink a lot. And, uh, but it's impossible to bring to Brazil. Yeah, that's uh, a very strong limitation indeed. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but I believe in the, actually, uh, this year, 2023, with Roberto Maxo, uh, we did the uh, Shochu Academy in, in Sao Paulo and Rio de Janeiro uh, for the second time with the support of JSS. I see. Okay. So, yeah, many people came and they were very interested. Uh, there are many bars that started to have uh, cocktails with shochu or, and awamori after the shochu academy. So I, I believe in the potential of shochu and awamori. Yeah. I mean, tell us about what you do uh, for sake education in Brazil. What sort of events are you putting together and who, whom are you targeting? My first big event was in 2021. Uh, the market was opening for restaurants again and reopening for re restaurants. And with the support of JSS, we did a sake festival on online version. Uh, we had a special dinner prepared to pair with the sake. So we sent to 40 influencers and media people all those boxes with uh, the sake and the, the dinner. And we had an online uh, dinner explaining how the sakes would pair with the, the meal, which kind of sake they were drinking. And we had also a documentary being recorded and distributed on YouTube. And we also had some online workshops. But in the following year, 2022, we did the largest event uh, in Brazil for sake promotion. Uh, it was the Sake Festival 2022. Uh, it was done in a good location, a Japan House, uh, Sao Paulo. It's a beautiful building, uh, lots of space for workshops and masterclass. So we did uh, 58 sake, sake tastings. In every single session of sake tasting, we had from eight to 10 people attending for free and they could uh, learn about the, the sakes and they were tasting four different sakes mm. direct from the sake dispenser machine. So 58 sessions for 10 people. So more, more than uh, 500 people uh, attended to such sake tastings. We had 10 workshops with uh, 400 people attending uh, all the 10 workshops. We had 10 workshops online and we had a documentary about the restaurant serving sake in Sao Paulo. That was the largest event in Brazil for sake promotion. More than 1.5 thousand people attended, all for free, all with the support of JSS. In that year, there was the Xochua Academy first edition made by Roberto Maxo, another student of uh, Sake Academy, of JSS. I was the first Brazilian at uh, JSS Sake Academy. Roberto Maxo was the second Brazilian at JSS Sake Academy. And this year we had the Xochua Academy again. And uh, my, main, my main target is educating people working for restaurants. So in two years and a half, of operations, we started in, on May 2021, effectively selling sake to restaurants. Since that time, I teach sake for more than 1.8 thousand people. Of mm. course, from those 1.8 thousand, there are some people that that are attending for the second time or third time because they are working for the same restaurant or they switch to a different restaurant and I meet then at that new restaurant. But my main, my main work nowadays is teaching sake to restaurants, focused on the experience of selling sake, understanding how uh, the customers are divided in terms of taste and how to identify what sake would be best for a given customer. Mm. My, my training is focused on selling sake the right way to the right customer. 
And do you find that difficult? Uh, not really, because I use some kind of metrics that, uh, and in every single training I make, the people working in the restaurants, they also taste every single sake we are selling in the restaurants. So, for example, if a new restaurant comes to me, I will sell some bottles, but I also will send some bottles for free. Because with those bottles, we are making a training. I can go to the restaurant, or if it's in a different location, I can do online, but they need to open the bottles only with me online. Mm -hmm. So when I explain the, the different tastes and they are drinking at the same time, they realize what I'm saying about like dryness or a sake being uh, sweet or with fruits, fruits. Uh, flavor. So I usually uh, try to divide the, the, the people in two groups. People that who like dry sake and people who like uh, fruity or sweet sake. Of course, there is something in between, but uh, in most of the cases from, for example, among 10 people, maybe four will like dry sake and three or four will like sweet sake, and two or three don't know what they like. Mm -hmm. And after the training, they will realize, oh, I like that one, so probably I like dry, right? And I say, yes, if you like that one, you probably like dry. Who liked the, that one? Oh, I like that one. So probably you, you didn't know what you like, but now we know that probably you like sweet or fruity sake. So I explained to them that it's the same with our customers. So they need to talk to the customer and ask what kind of uh, drink they like, or if they don't know, try to serve or to offer something in the middle, not so sweet or not so dry. And for example, if there is a couple coming to the restaurant and uh, uh, one likes fruity and one likes dry, you should try to suggest a bottle in the middle, not in the extremes. Right? And can you share with us a little bit what your experience is with sake pairing, not with like traditional Japanese food, but maybe with some of the Japanese recipes that have been adapted to Brazilian taste, and and you should mm -hmm. maybe tell us what what they are, and and with uh, non-Japanese food like uh, other Brazilian food. I don't know if there is. I'm, I'm I'm sorry, I don't know the Brazilian food culture well, but I. Just if you have a few examples of, of traditional Brazilian dishes and, and how would sake pair with these? Yeah, at first I always tell people that uh, sake is the best beverage to pair with food overall because it has lots of umami. It has four times more umami than beer or wine. And uh, we are doing a lot of events for sake pairings and especially for non-Japanese. In uh, last year, Matsuak Sensei, uh, who is a specialist of sake in Japan, came to Brazil and we did some events and we did two dinners at that time. One was with Edomai Zushi and one was with contemporary Latin America food. Uh, and probably the most interesting, interesting one was with Latin America food because there was uh, a sake that went very well with uh, a salad, but that salad had some slices of green apples and the sake was uh, with a little acidity and also a little dry. And I didn't think it would work, but uh, of course, when I do some sake pairing, I always uh, do a lot of tests beforehand. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was amazing with that dish. Uh, today we have this kind of education for restaurants in terms of sake pairing because we go there to teach about sake, but in some restaurants we do a lot of tastings with their foods. And then we make a list and we tell them, okay, uh, those dishes will go well with this sake and those dishes will go well with that sake. And it's very easy to then to sell or to suggest to clients. But uh, my way of doing sake pairings is very uh, detailed one. 
I don't like the idea of uh, arriving in a restaurant in the same day of the event. And they they show you the, the list of sakes or the list of wines, and they they ask you, oh, what do you think? Which which wine or which sake? I really don't do that. But this is a common place in Brazil and maybe in some countries because it's very common that um, clients ask me to do sake pairings, mm -hmm. but I always tell them, look, sake pairings are very detailed, very. Uh, you, you need to make a lot of tests and you cannot just see the, the menu and see the, the sake list and tell them what goes well with what. Because depends on the sauce, depends on the, on the fish or depends on a lot of things. So every single event I do, I do a lot of tastings. Of course, after the tastings, I need to go home and sleep because you cannot spit <laughs> the sake with the food, right? So you need to to eat and drink. So usually I do that at the end of afternoon or the dinner time, so I can drink and eat and then go home to sleep. <laughs> to open my, my appetite. Do, do you have a particular uh, dish, Brazilian dish uh, that, you, that, that you love and a particular sake that you, you pair it with? Um, can you describe it? I just give them. Probably the most amazing pairing was with that salad I mentioned, that with slice of green apple. So that, that was green salad, then green apple. What 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 else were there? Yeah, th there was some some herbs okay. as well. It was a very fresh summer salad. Okay. And with that specific sake was very very good. The sake was toko uh, karakuche. I never never would say that they would pair without testing mm. <laughs> but when i taste both together amazing and also uh, there is a very famous restaurant in brazil called mocotó mocotó is for brazilian food they serve brazilian food and there, there was one dish during festival of sake 2022 that it was um, a beef with a sauce, the sauce was very rich. I don't know if it was, it was made with wine, but it was very acidic. And then I tried with uh, Jumai Daiginjo, a very fruit one, but the Jumai Daiginjo was so light and the flavor of food was uh, super high. Mm -hmm. And then I tried with the same uh, brand Jumai Ginjo, and that Jumai Ginjo was a little bit with more body, with more texture, with more fruit. And then by contrast, the, the freshness and fruity of the sake with the salty and richness of the that beef, that was, in my view, it was very nice. Very successful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Excellent. And um, we, we import a, a sake called uh, Niida Shizenshu. Cool. They use like 80% of the rice. So there's a lot of umami. Um, and that one goes well with a lot of different foods. That's why we sell that sake to three Michelin restaurants in Sao Paulo that are not Japanese, two Michelin restaurants in Rio that are not Japanese. But they uh, that sake also goes very well with Edomai Zushi. So that's why I really believe that because of the quantity of umami in the sake, it has a potential to go very well with most of the, the food, most of the different types of food. Is there a culture of drinking sake warm in Brazil or, or not at all, if only because it was cocktails mostly? Yeah, I would say almost not at all, because mm. Brazil is very is a very hot country, True. and uh, <laughs> yes, in the winter some clients would ask, but even the clients asking for uh, hot sake, they don't know much about how hot sake should be served, because it's very common that clients ask to the sake to be boiled <laughs> so they say oh if you if you don't boil the sake it's not going to be good and they ask 
oh, or yeah. boiling sake. <laughs> yes. And we know, of course, that if you boil sake, the taste not going to be good, right? No, no. But most of the clients don't know that yet in Brazil. So we try to teach them, to try to teach to, to the restaurants because uh, some of them are, are using uh, microwaves as well. So in microwave, you cannot see the contents of the the tokuri and sometimes the, the sake boils inside the microwave and you don't see it. So it becomes a problem. Well, I see you, that you, you made a huge effort or you've made huge efforts since 2021 to, to promote sake culture. And, and it's obviously not a surprise that you that you were awarded that um, that title um, of sake samurai earlier 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 this year. I mean, was it it was in September, wasn't it? Yeah, um, twenty sixth of September. Yeah. In Kyoto. So how was the how was the experience? Uh, well, who 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 contacted you to tell you and and what happens after that? Oh, the the contact came from the Sake Samurai Association, but actually from um, the team working in JSS. And the deal is that they tell you, but they say you cannot tell anyone. If you tell anyone, you may be dis dis disqualified, <laughs> and you may not receive that title again. Uh, may not receive never again. And um, did you tell your wife? Uh, yes, they, actually, they, they say you can tell your family members. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's another exception. You can tell people who needs to know about your trip to Japan or okay. people helping you in your trip to Japan. So, okay. It was amazing, amazing. You use that uh, Haori and Hakama. I felt so blessed to be to be there and the ceremony itself is beautiful the the shrine that they they do it's amazing I will never I will never forget that it's mm -hmm. it's fantastic do you have Shinto shrines in um, in Brazil I saw some pictures of uh, of yes, Brazilian yes. Mikos yeah yes a few yeah yeah and and is sake uh, used as an offering in Shinto shrines? Domestic sake used as an offering in Shinto shrines in Brazil? Oh uh, yes, in some ceremonies, for example, in my wedding, I drank sake. Okay. In that San Sankudo, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, is 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 your sorry? It's a very private question, but is is your oh. wife um, a Nik Nikkei person as well? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, she is Nikkei and Nisei. And Nikkei, Nisei, I'm Salsei, okay. she's Nisei, yes, okay. yes. All right. So and it was interesting because uh, she was supposed to go with me to Kyoto for the Sake Samurai ceremony. Mm -hmm. But she won an uh, award in, in Brazil for best uh, patisserie in Sao Paulo. Ah, I see. Yeah, and she... Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Amazingly, she opened this patisserie in February this year. And she got in the finals for the best one. And she was elected the best uh, patisserie in the first year of opening. Wow. And uh, is she going to propose some uh, sake pairings with, with her patisserie? Yes, 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 for sure. Uh, I did some videos on uh, Instagram and many people watch it and they come to the patisserie and they ask for the pairing I suggested. It's a, uh, we, we have a, a, a kind, it's not a cake, it's, it's kind of a fruit cake with yuzu cream, uh, very light. And um, my suggestion is to pair it with uh, the sake called Bomichel from Nagano, sure. mm -hmm. uh, which is made with uh, wine cobo, mm. and it's it pairs very well with this this uh, this cake. Mm. So, um, uh, is that is that a kijoshu or not? I think there is a a uh michelle kijoshi but uh, no, this one is, is yeah, this one is a, is a tradition is just an, uh, a nihonshu no that one is jumai only okay jumai jumai okay 
Maybe they have uh, a Kijoshu, but uh, the one I import is Jumai. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yes. That's the one that uh, during fermentation, the the uh, the tanks, the, fer the fermenting tanks, are listening like uh, Michel song from Beatles. <laughs> it's a good storytelling. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Yeah, story is everything, isn't it? I mean, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. To promote, but the sake is, is amazing by itself, but uh, the mm. storytelling is also good. <laughs> well, it it helps to remember uh, yeah, and to, uh, to, uh, to attach something to a taste, uh, because with the taste only, um, you cannot, if you go to a sake shop and say, mm, I had it this great sake and it tastes like this it's really hard but if you if you, yeah. if you tell to i mean to identify the bottle but if you if you have the story then maybe the retailer can help you or the importer can help you exactly exactly especially for brazilians that cannot read kanji right mm -hmm. and uh, most of the bottles are like uh, are very difficult to remember and to keep track of if if they drank or not uh, sometimes it's very common People come to my shop and they say, oh, I had this before, this sake before in Brazil. But that one just arrived for the first time in Brazil. So the kanji makes uh, people confused about uh, what sake they drank or they didn't drink. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe I have a, a, a last question for you. I've been just looking ahead for the future. I mean, a lot of things went went pretty fast. You've been you've been busy. Twenty one in two years time. You've you've achieved a lot already. Um, how how do you see the the future? I mean, what what are, do you have a particular uh, dream? Are there are there things that you that that you want to uh, to 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 achieve um, in the in the short or, or, or long term? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, my dream for the next years, I would say, is uh, to advance on different areas of Brazil, uh, especially because the market's so focused on Sao Paulo city. Uh, we have two uh, stores in Sao Paulo. Uh, one is only sake, and the other one, the newest one, opened in February, is both patisserie, sweets, and sake. Uh, which was a little bit crazy at the beginning. Some clients came and said, uh, I remember uh, a Japanese client uh, uh, came in, came, that came to the store in the first week and he said, oh, that's crazy. Why sake with sweet sweets and cakes? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> and, uh, but... It, since that store is located in a very uh, nice area, many people passing by, uh, it's a good promotion for sake. And we have all the tastings uh, there as well. And we also now have the sake parents with the cakes. And my idea is to expand both the, the cake shop and also the, uh, the sake shop. Mm. We are probably going to open a new store uh, in Sao Paulo City in a different neighborhood in 2024. Uh, at some point in the next years, I would like to be in different states like Rio de Janeiro uh, and maybe in 10 or five or 10 years in other countries of South America because our business business model is very interesting. We use those dispensers. Anyone can use those dispensers, right? But what we do is uh, display the sakis in a sequence of from dry to sweet. And then uh, we have some know-how to try to identify what sake is the favorite of a given client. They come and they say, they say, oh, I don't know anything about sake. I never had sake or I don't like sake. And we always try to like serve one small glass and they say, whoa, this is nice. What it, what it is this? What, what, what is it? And we say, no, it's sake. It's a kind of fruity sake or in the middle. Did you like the fruitiness? Did you like the sweetness? And they would say, oh, I prefer a little bit less sweet. 
And then we have some know-how to indicate next sake until that customer finds his or her favorite sake. I mean, just to make sure, what do you mean by a dispenser? It's a it's a machine where you have all the bottles yeah, are lined machine. up and and yeah, it's a, a machine. Actually, it's imported from Italy. It's for wine originally, but we we were the first ones to use for sake in Brazil, and we have uh, in each store we have two machines of eight bottles each. So we have sixteen. Uh, bottles inside the machines so with the push of a button they can release uh, some 20 milli or 40 milli depends on how how large you want and you, you buy a, a card and you put in the machine and you can get all the sakes you want using the credits of the that card okay so what you're saying here is that your your business your model is not only about or it's not about selling bottles to restaurants but it's about bringing the machines in and bringing the eight or 16 different sakes with the machines uh, and of course the machines are, are not the purpose but the machines are the tools to uh, uh, exactly. to simplify exactly. the life of uh, of uh, of, uh, of sommeliers or or yes. uh, bartenders okay and that works well with the restaurant owners as well, because they come to our showroom or our store and they make taste like 16 different sakes from the machines. And I can tell them, oh, this one is selling good, it's selling very well because the, it's cheaper, but also has some dryness that people like. And I can tell them which one is selling well, but they can taste every single sake in that visit. Uh, we also, for example, uh, if you put this kind of machine in a restaurant, uh, at least they will sell 100% more in sake. Usually they sell 150% more mm. in sake. I can tell you because actually I, I lent the, the machine to the restaurant and they are using my machine but only with my sakes, the sakes I import. So my sales went like 150% more to that restaurant. So it's a good thing to have in the restaurant as well, because uh, if you open a bottle and you, you don't have the dispenser, the sake will degrade the, uh, every day, right? Yes. It's like wine. When you open wine, next day will not be so good as the first day and the following day will be... Uh, less good right so uh, for sake is the same but with that machine they can keep the bottle open for three weeks so that's why uh, they can uh, sell uh, even uh, premium sake by the glass and people drinking glasses will also at the end of the day maybe they can uh, order the entire bottle so the sales go up with that machine and also we teach people to understand uh, how better the sake tastes in wine glass. Uh, because most of the importers in Brazil don't use refrigerated containers. If you use wine glass for non-refrigerated uh, sakes, you will feel a lot of alcohol. And uh, because of the sake spent like almost two months to get to Brazil, there's no fruit aroma anymore if they don't use uh, refrigerated containers. But if your sakes are well preserved, you should use a wine glass because all the aromas will, will be very present in the, this, the, the glass. I, I always uh, have this small masu and ochoco and wine glass. And I serve the most aromatic sake in those three. And I present to the customers or restaurant owners to try to smell. And they smell the masu and they say, oh, not that much aroma. And the ochoco, not that much. And the wine glass, they feel all that aroma. And I always say, look, this is the same sake, same quantity, but different glasses. So if you if you sell to a customer a uh, uh, expensive Jumaida Ginjo, very fragrant, 
very aromatic, you should use a wine glass. And they, they understand. Excellent. Well, I mean, I thank you very much for your for your time. And it's been, again, a pleasure to meet you. And I mean, I we, we had to record on, on Zoom today because you are in Sao Paulo, as you explained at the beginning. Um, however, you're coming to Japan soon. So uh, let's uh, yes. let's try to catch up if you have the time in, uh, in in Tokyo. And I mean, of course, a great meeting place is the Sake Shochu. Sake and Shochu Information Center in, in Toranomon. And I invite all our listeners and the friends of our listeners to visit the Information Center at some point. And you, I'm sure you will agree with me. Uh, Imada-san yes. and the staff is doing a great job. And there are lots of, of uh, there is a lot of information and, and sake uh, to taste over there. Yeah. Every time I'm in Tokyo, I visit Information Center. Every time. Good. It's always amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so let's try to meet there when you are when you're here. We'll continue the uh, conversation uh, outside this uh, Zoom uh, recording. Um, yes. Thank you very much, Fabio, and um, best of luck. Congratulations again, and best of luck for uh, your business, Mega Sake. And looking forward to um, having you on the show uh, again uh, in a few. Maybe not months, but years time. And you're going to tell us how the Brazilian market has grown. Great. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. Well, and this is it. Let's uh, wrap it up. That was an, an episode of Sake on Air uh, dedicated to uh, Mr. Kenji Fabio Ota, uh, recently awarded Sake Samurai for his work at Mega Sake. Uh, please do not hesitate to send us your feedback or questions at uh, questions at sakeonair.com. And as you know, with the work or great work of Cindy, we are present on Instagram X and other social networks. So get in touch with us. Thank you.